Hey, what's good? How you doing? Pleasure to make your acquaintance. Figured I'd show you around, show you why you should stick around for the Dub Talk podcast. It's a good place. We're having a good time. A couple laugh, couple yokes. But don't cross us, and we won't cross you. Couple ground rules we should make before we get started with tonight's festivities. Warning. The Dub Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for young audiences. Listener discretion is fucking advised, you mook. Also, be aware that there's a spoiler warning in place for the first five to six episodes of Hina Matsuri. So if you don't want to ruin the surprise for yourself like a moron, go watch the show, then come back here right after. We're still going to be here, unless you just don't give a shit. In which case, good for you. You want a fucking cookie? Finally, be advised. Everything that's said here tonight are the opinions of the individual participants and don't reflect upon the Dub Talk organization as a whole. They can say what they want as long as they don't stab me in the back like a fucking coward. <clears throat> now, I'm feeling awfully parched and my sweet, adorable little pain in the ass daughter wants to join me out for a night at the gentleman's club. So, respectable parent that I am, who am I to say no? Please enjoy this Dub Talk podcast episode of Hina Matsuri. Gentlemen's Club! 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 Welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast that tastes and critiques some slice of life served in a rice bowl topped with some salmon roll. I'm your bartender Jamal, and with me tonight are my friends, Yakuza Hedgeman Lack. Hey, how's it going, y'all? Roots, the student. Hey, everybody, how you doing? And the youngest of the group, Anzu, the classy Spartan. Guess what? I'm old enough to drink, and I'm gonna drink my heart out. <laughs> why can't I? Why can't I feel my feet? Oh god! Uh, you're probably stuck in that little ball contraption thing. Dude. Mm-hmm. Your face is of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> And in case you couldn't tell by the intro or the title of this video, tonight we will be discussing the English dub of Hidematsuri, the spring 2018 slice of life sitcom animated by Studio Fuel. Yes, the same studio that brought you Dagashikashi Season 1, Tsukigakure, well that explains a lot, and of course, please tell me Gaoko-chan. Oh. I think, here's the thing, those are all good things, but I think what's more applicable for this specific show is my teen romantic comedy Snafu Season 2. Especially because a lot of similar staff and animators are actually working on this show. Fun fact. Yeah, sounds about right. Okay. And, and for those who haven't watched the show, it's a quick synopsis for you. Yakuza member Yoshifumi Nita's life takes a turn when Anya girl falls onto his head. Following the strange first meeting, Nita discovers that the girl possesses strong telekinetic abilities 
and despite his protest, has no choice but to care for her. For better or worse, they'll try to keep up their newly formed partnership from blowing up in their faces. So, I could... I could tell you my final thoughts of this right now, or you could be like, man, what do these guys think of this show? I'm not even going to lead the anticipation on. I fucking love this show. Whoa, 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 hold on a sec. Blowing up in their faces or blowing up in their vases? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> How much do those fucking cost? It, it, I don't you, know, but she's putting more than you. Home. You can't more than see you it, but I'm doing afford. the finger guns. <laughs> uh, more than you can afford, Andrew. More than any of us can afford. I like the fact that he just has like a really nice place, and like he—he's a very wealthy man, probably from his <clears throat> dealings. But you know, yeah, good on him. He, he, good on him. This is. I'm sort of coming to realize my actual aesthetic when it comes to shows, specifically when it comes to things I want. Comedy and, like, pseudo-paternal feelings are my fucking aesthetic, I've come to learn. Because this is giving me a lot of flashbacks of things like interviews with Monster Girls and Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid in regards to, like, paternal family feeling with outrageous balls-to-the-wall comedy and kooky characters. That is yeah. my fucking aesthetic, and this show has made me discover that. Wait, you, you mention pseudo-paternal relationships, and you don't mention the other kind of off-to-the-side Yakuza one, uh, Allison Soroku? Oh, yes, yes, yes. That, yes! That's another good one. That's that is another good one. Thank. Where the fuck? Why do you mention that? You're breaking I, my heart, Fredo. You're breaking my heart. Look. It's funny you mentioned that because this show comes off as like if you took the characters of Az and Soroku, just invert them. You know. It's uh, I can't. I can see the similarities though. It. I, I can see a lot of the similarities. I guess Alex and Soroku feels like a much more sweet and earnest series but this this is okay here's the thing the show is also very sweet and earnest but it feels like it has a nice razor's edge to it too that is just so outrageously funny like, i wouldn't say like a razor's edge but like you know maybe like a butter knife <laughs> like it, it it's not ed edgy to the point it'll bleed but it you know it'll you don't cut cheese and butter. Fair enough, fair enough. But this is... I mean, we haven't really seen anything that edgy in the show. Okay, it, it... Okay, maybe edge is the right... Is the wrong word. What I'm trying to say is... This goes for some of, like... The darker, more absurd jokes sometimes without... Yeah. It, yeah. It's got some snark to it. And it's like... It's, it's not afraid to, like, put these characters in, like, dire like, unfortunate situations compared to, like, something like Alice and Soroku. Yeah. That's not centered on the drama, before anybody mentions the fucking last arc of Alice and Soroku still makes me cry my eyes out. Anyways, um... Alright, so... Now, we will be discussing... Because this is a precious episode, we will be discussing our predictions for the dub, who's actually cast, and give our thoughts of are the performances over a round of cocktails. Yeah, just kidding. We're not allowed to drink after the 91 Days episode. Uh, 
I mean, we can. Sorry. No, we're not. I must miss something. Yeah. Sorry. Think things it's, happened, and let's leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fun episode, but mm, mm. people had to get yeah. whacked, maybe. Yeah. So instead, let's get started as always with the ADR director and scriptwriter. So, who'd like to go first? Uh. I can, I can go with the three... I had three predictions in regards to ADR director. I didn't have anybody for writer, just because I figured usually they find somebody that works. Um, I had uh, the following three... Actually, I had two people in mind initially that I thought this person would actually also be really good at comedy too, because I had, at the time of making these, I had recently finished Gamers, and Kristen McGuire made Gamers so fucking funny that I really would have liked to see her take on this level of outrageous humor, but the other two I had seen do very similar shows to this, like I said, the aforementioned Miss Kyobi... Kyobi... Ah, Dragon Maid. The aforementioned Dragon Maid and Interviews with Monster Girls I was thinking of with this show, so I predicted both Kyle Phillips and Jade Saxton. Well, you mentioned that. I also had Carl Phillips because he seems to tend to direct a lot of comedy stuff out It's just like, you know, like back in the day, it seemed to be like lower tier kind of stuff. But uh, I, I figured he could handle this pretty well. He does. I also. He does a lot of varied work, but it's definitely stuff he seems to enjoy. Oh, yeah, yeah. very. He even made that himself, too. I also had Jeremy Inman because I figured, you know, he'd be doubling down because he seems to be a man of both comedy and the serious business where he needs to be. Like, if you see Robins or if you see Space Battleship to Misu Twitch, go watch that. That I don't know how he does it, but god damn, that's fucking funny as hell. But I want to see him break that here, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Tiramisu, I also had Anthony Borley because I, cause seriously, the man does not stop directing whatever he did. <laughs> like, I want to see him in a full-fledged directive all again. But Go take a my... nap, man. You've earned it. Yeah. <laughs> all the shows you're directing. Or helping to direct, I should say. Uh-huh. Oh, dear God. I might never sleep. Uh, speaking of which, for... Because I had three for scriptwriters. I had Tatum because I figured, you know, something like this, if you're going to punch up the material, why not get somebody who can punch up the material easily? Just make sure he doesn't go a little too overboard. I also had Eric Dismuke because I really enjoy a lot of his comedy dubs, like Nabaka and Sugumomo. Which, thank God, they're both getting released on Blu-ray. But, yeah, about time. <laughs> Yes. Licensing is weird. Yeah, it is. But the funny thing was, when I started here in episode one, and up, before I even went to look at the cast list, I thought to, my, I thought to myself, Jamie Markey's writing this, isn't she? Because a lot of the choices I can't understand. But it seems to work. I, anybody else want to go next? Or? Um, sure. Uh, for scriptwriter, I had a combination of Aaron Dismuke, again, because of Nambaka, and um, because of Pop Team Epic, I also put in uh, Emily Neves. 
And for director, I wasn't sure who to put in here, so I just stuck with my default comedy director, who is Jerry Jewell. Okay, and I, that you have any predictions? No, I did not, because I didn't realize we were doing predictions. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, it's all good. Yeah. The last couple episodes I did, we didn't really have predictions, so I kind of fell into that habit. Ah, it's understandable. Yeah, no biggie. I'm kind of so, light on them myself, so. Alright, uh, so getting right into it. Start off with the ADR director. Our ADR director is Pork Chop Sandwiches! I mean, uh, Kyle Phillips. <laughs> oh, that was a really good blooper. Mm. Go, wa- go watch the Card Captor Soccer bloopers, people. Yes. Kyle Phillips, who you've seen in other works in... He's also directed the Ancient Magus play, the Overlord franchise, and the Dagashikashi franchise, all within the same season! What the hell? Yeah, that's, that's some crazy stuff right there. That man has dedication, and I respect the hell out of that, but please get some sleep. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> A regular renaissance man, too. I mean... Think of all those genres he's covering every season. Oh, hell yeah. No, it's it's definitely very versatile, and I respect that. Yeah. As for our scriptwriters, however, this is kind of an interesting situation. We have two scriptwriters for this. For episode one, our scriptwriter is Aaron Dismuke, who's written other stuff such as Hakata Tokotsu Roberts, of course, Kido's Journey 2017, Tokyo Ghoul, Sugumobo, and of course, Dad Barker. Uh, as from episode 2 onwards, the script is being taken over by Caitlin Barr, who's written other scripts for Citrus, Code Geass, Akio the Exile, Haikyuu, School Life, and she's also pointing double duty this season with Dances with the Dragons. A show we will not be covering. No, we won't. Anyways, yeah. Kind of a shame, too, because that's an interesting cast that would be kind of cool to talk about. Yeah, true, but what can you do? Look, there's timing and other things, and we can't do everything at once. Yeah. We got we got to pick and choose, anyways. And, moving on. Alright, so who wants to go first? Alright, so... In regards to the direction and writing of this show... What you need from a show like Hinamatsuri, first and foremost, is you need funny things and great delivery. And the thing that works about the show, even in the Japanese, the comedic timing is so on point. It's so good. There are there are some jokes where it's straight up just like, you, you'd think that it wouldn't work in a Japanese language, but they land in the Japanese language, too. Like, the time where he's about to do the fight between Anzu and Hina. It's just like, she's going to fight you! Why would I do that? Salmon roe for dinner. I'm gonna fight you. It's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to nail that in the English language, like, to make that work as well... The timing is so on point for the delivery of these lines, and every character sounds exactly the way they're supposed to and how they deliver it. Uh, he, like, 
the monotone delivery sometimes of I'm ready to do the thing. I don't understand what's going on, but this is happening too. Oh, Jesus Christ. What is my life? It's so stellar. Every actor sounds like they are having so much fun. And I am having so much fun listening to them. And the script lines, I'll get more into that with the specific characters, but the script adaption works very well. I've been watching both sub and dub. I am very entertained when I hear some of these lines delivered in English. All in all, yeah, no, Kyle, Kyle, you're doing a great job with this. I can tell you're having a lot of fun, and I look forward to more bloopers in the future. Yeah. <laughs> From all of us at Dub Talk, up yours. <laughs> Bring on oh. the bloopers. Oh, I can't wait to get to her, but more on that later. Alright, Lack? Um, well, I don't have much to add from what uh, Andrew said. I think all, all the jokes pretty much hit on point. Um, I, I, at first, it I was a little, there was a little, like, shock for me because I wasn't really sure what kind of show I was watching because it started off in, like, rural Japan and then it got set in the city, so I was just like, what's the plot? Yeah, show. yeah, that kind of happened. Like, but um, it, I just I realized after a while what kind of show it is, and I kind of got the whole thing of like them saying like "owie" every time they were hurt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was pretty funny. I had to admit, and uh, I I could you know I think they understood what kind of show they were making here, and I think that really helped the dub a lot. Um. Yeah, not not really much to add from what from what Andrew said, uh, but I, I I just I respect how well they were able to understand their show and how they were kind of able to use American and English like type quirks in the dialogue to be able to kind of fit what the Japanese were doing. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Cause one one thing I realized with Aaron and uh, Caitlin's scripts. I noticed that the, like all those two and like Kristen McGuire, they all have like the same script style of script writing where you could take something that would probably feel out of place in the comedy dub, but you can make it fit into context very easily. And I find that they they really made this dub accessible as was funny hell, maybe funnier than the sub. I mean who mm. knows? Yeah. But they managed to well, hit on... probably a cultural thing. Yeah, but they managed to hit on the points that the show was relaying very easily. And as for Kyle, I really like... Not only his director, but his casting as well. Like, he seems to really be getting the stride on his dubs lately, ever since Ancient Magus Blind. Because before, he used to be kind of hit or miss with us. I think the last time I ever talked about Kyle Phillips was the Centaur's Life, and the less said about that show, the better. But I, I really think he has found his groove, you know? Yeah. You you were saying something, Andrew? Uh, I was going to say, hey, just, yeah, Centaur's Life is... That that is not a I did not I do not think that was a bad dub, but I think that it's, is a it's not a bad that dub. Is, no, I was gonna say the show itself show. is weird. That is a show that seems like it is at odds with itself, and considering the fact that this seems like a series that could have potentially strong source material at odds with such lackluster presentation, it felt like the show was always fighting itself. But that's not yeah. the fault of the dub at all. That is no. the show entirely. But please continue. 
Uh, I, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty much content with the dub. I, he, he really manages to hit the points home, not only with the writing, but with the casting, too. But we'll get into that later. Roots, you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, um, dialogue has a lot of punch and snap to it, which is what I look for. Comedy is on point. Uh, that said, there is one particular line that's kind of become the recurring joke of Funimation social media when they talk to talk about Hinamatsuri. It, it kind of irks me just a little bit, <clears throat> but um, I'll, I'll get to that when we when we get into the specific character. Uh, okay. Okay. That's... Actually, actually, you know what? I'll just say it here. Um, the the gentleman's club thing just kind of felt weird to me because, like, Hina's like a little girl, and I'm not sure where. She, and it's it's even stated in the show that she wasn't able to speak for <clears throat> before she met um Nita before she met Nita. And like, it, it's pretty just, simple. She's just watching a bunch of TV and yeah. he, 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 he doesn't live with anybody. So and he's got a lot of money. So he's probably got all like the the subscription based adult based content on TV that he didn't bother to child lock at all. So she's probably watching <laughs> all of that. She's probably watching I mean, high school DXD completely uncensored <laughs> right now. I mean, that's just true, saying. Just but at saying. the same time, Nita, the, uh, say harem? <laughs> at the same time, uh, the the subs did it as uh, girly bar, and that seems a little more okay. Roots, roots. Yeah, that that just seems a little more appropriate Lip. for the age of the character. Okay, to call it something like that. Okay, two things. One, this is a, a this is like a adult based manga comedy. Right. Se secondly, lip flaps and timing. Yeah, that's that's probably the sticking point as to why they didn't go with girly bar. You can't make that work. But and third, they're both the same it's thing. It's the really. same thing. I mean, yes, but it's not like they call it a titty bar or something. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not that though. It works. I I I don't I don't agree that you're like oh like it's pretty clear he kind of just treats her as like. Somebody who's there anyway. It just, it just feels a little out of place, and that's really my only gripe with the script writing. I I completely disagree. I think yeah. It is. I have you too. have you seen the have I, you seen part of episode one where she falls out of the sky? I think that's absolutely in line with the comedy of the show. Absolutely, I I I think. The just abs the absurd nature of just this whole group of guys and girls just chanting. Gentle. Oh no no no! That's it, it's hilarious. It just and and while I understand that you know watches a lot of television and probably got it there, it just feels a little weird that there was nothing to to set well, up see, where she would have heard that. The way I interpreted it was she just wanted to hang out with Nita, and he yeah. likes to go to the gentlemen's club. He does so like to go like, there all the time. Yeah, so she was like, "Well, I want to do what you do." Like, you know. No, no, no. It's not the content. It's not I want to do stuff. I w Yeah, I I mean, we can get into a, it a little bit more when we get to Hina, but I yeah. like I said, I I I think the line it translates exactly as well as it does, and I think it's funny and works in context. Whatever. Yeah, so 
pretty much. Direction was on point. Script was on point. Let's get into the casting now, shall we? Mm-hmm. All right. So first up, we have a pair of homeless men. We have Shige, who is the leader of the homeless crew, and Yasan, who is a partial informant for the Yakuza, who helped teach Anzu at after he took her in when she was homeless. They taught her about living on the streets, you know, the value of money, all that good stuff. So real talk, I did not expect an absurdist Looney Tunes esque comedy about psychic powered <laughs> children and the fucking yakuza to have probably one of the single most empathetic betrayals of homeless people I think I've ever seen in anime. What the fuck? Yeah, I know, right? That, that th this this anime is its own thing. It doesn't really belong anywhere. So. It it doesn't really need to if it can stand no, it on its own. It does. So even it, then, it, it's it's genuinely surprising and actually kind of fascinating on the part of the author themselves. Like they're not stereotypes. Like they don't feel like stereotypes, or they don't feel like they are mocked. They feel earnest, realistic. And very interesting. And oh, I'm yeah, took very, my lung. I'm genuinely impressed. Yeah, very impressed. Speaking of impressed, uh, did any of us have predictions for them? Uh, I did not have predictions for these characters because at the time I did not know how relevant they were going to be. I'll be honest, I thought I did, but then I got one of them mixed up with another character, so I have nothing. Boots? Um, I only did predictions for the first two episodes, so no. Wait, let's get right into it then. Shige is voiced by Kent Williams, and Yasad is voiced by R. Bruce Elliott. Kent Williams, you've heard in other works such as Dr. Franks and Darling of the Franks, Dr. Giro in Dragon Ball Z Kai, Ryunosuke Azumi in Tsukigakure, and Goya Plisetsky in Yuri on Ice. <laughs> okay, so, excuse me for a second. Well, actually... His name is Dr. Giroux, not Dr. Garrow. <laughs> now you can move on. <sighs> okay, Andrew. As for our Pusadia... Thanks uh, for joining us tonight, everybody. Good night. No. Uh. Yes, welcome to DBC Talk, where it's nothing but Andrew for the next three hours. Look, J Jamal, let's... Jamal, let's... Jamal... If I fucked up some character's name from Sailor Moon, you would do the exact same to me. True. And I'll boost earlier, you've heard of other works such as Tanaka from Black Butler, Hannibal Barker from Drifters, Kumagoro Psyche from Psyche K, and of course, Makara from Fairy Tale. So, Andrew, why don't you take it away? Things I never expected to say in my life. I want these homeless men to be my grandpas. <laughs> wow. Wow. That, I did not see that coming. I didn't either. And I'm not even meaning that as like a jokey way. I mean, these, I know, I know. these are characters that straight up, like, they've had hard not lives, but they genuinely understand, like, the value of appreciating what you have and what you need to do to survive. It's really interesting, but they are just genuinely earnest, 
sincere, sweet people who've all fallen on tough times and like missed their own families and their own lives, but find comfort and unity in their little community. And that's really interesting to me. Kent Williams is basically the Sundere homeless grandpa of the group, where he's just like, who's this dumb little kid? She's just gonna weigh us out. We can't take care of her. And then he ends up kind of being one of the ones that cares more and actually, like, starts crying just at her really terrible song performance. But, <laughs> like I said, Kent Williams sounds fantastic. He's always a treat every time he comes up. And I, I enjoy him. R. Bruce Elliott is a very, very good, like, subdued, chill grandpa man who... Who, who knows the ways of the world, and I like listening to him, and I adore the dynamic he's got with Anzu. I really think R. Bruce Elliott has a really good voice for this kind of character. Very, like, fatherly, paternal-esque, which I've heard him in other places. It's... It, he, he does a really good job with it, and it makes me feel for him. Good on you, homeless grandpas. Don't spend all your money on booze, please. Zach? Uh, yeah, I, I agree, like, wholeheartedly. Um, there are two great actors, Ken Williams and R. Bruce Elliott, and I think they bring a lot to these characters. Um, you know, it's it's really, it can be really tough to portray the homeless, even in even if they're, like, you know, secondary characters to the rest of the story, so it's, it's really interesting to, and I, I almost feel like it was deliberate to cast these two really like experienced voice actors in these roles because it well it helps that they're both like elderly men in the in the uh, show but at the same time they help to bring they help to bring humanity to these two characters that if they were played by more inexperienced and, and less like and less like tra well trained actors it could come across as really false and insincere and I think that would uh, that would harm the show tremendously. Uh, because I think the homelessness is actually a surprisingly big part of the show. And, um, yeah, uh, yeah, so those are pretty much my thoughts. So. Well, I'll say, like, just a quick piggyback off of you there. Even sh things that try to make good on, like, their portrayal of homeless people usually fuck up <laughs> David Cage. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, fact that, not the fact that you, this uh, comedy show managed to do that is kind of amazing and i really respect it for it andrew i think you you get a little shitty game cut in your throat sorry it's a it's been a hot topic of lately and i can't exactly press x to feel my sadness sometimes please continue <laughs> let's leave the state of michigan out of this anyway <laughs> I didn't expect to hear the words to Derry Grandpa, but then again, our Bruce literally plays one in Psyche K, so that's understandable. God, I love his character in Psyche K. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they did a very good job getting across the homelessness of their character, you know. Even managing to play up the dramatic aspects when needed, even if it's like for comedic purposes, such as the bad singing and everything, but, you know, it, it really helps to give heart to the story, but overall, they did a pretty good job. I don't have any fault with them, and I can't really think of anything else to say, so I'm gonna pass it on to you, Lutz. Okay, um, like, the entire arc of the, of the homeless 
kind of hamlet in the middle of the park is centered around the uh, character Anzu. I, um, I'll have a little more to say when we get to her, but I really like, uh, like, Kent Williams's... <laughs> I, I really like that term, the, the Sundari Grandpa attitude. Like, it... He's really charming when... Like, it, it didn't seem like he was supposed to be, and, uh... Our Bruce Elliott is Yasan. <laughs> it... It was actually kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Because he... You can actually kind of hear it in, it, in the, uh... In the portrayal. That he... Yeah. Like, he had a life, and somehow... Something happened. Like, I, I really like them. I like their their sort of fatherly role toward uh, toward Anzu. It was just great performances all around. A family can be a girl with psychic powers and 12 homeless grandpas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, so we good to move on. Quick little thing, I will say. Dramatically that, sips. That is very interesting. Apparently, like, the Yakuza actually are, like, very attached in, like, community and local local politics, I guess, in a way. Because it seems like, from hearing some stuff about what Yakuza do, it's like, they don't fuck with kids. They don't, like, fuck with those who are down under their luck. They, they, fuck, they fuck with people who fuck with them. That's sort of the thing. And, like... The homeless are people that just, they, they're they unfortunate. Like, they're straight up, like, Utako, who's kind of a part of this, is doing events and, like, helping out with, like, public soup kitchens and giveaways, which I think that's really kind of fascinating. Like, there's a lot, there's a, I, I did not expect to think so much about the inner, the complicated situation that is the homeless scenario in Japan, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Hinamatsuri, making me think. Yeah. It's amazing how much we're discussing Yakuza, because... Hinamatsuri, well, I... you're here to laugh, but we're gonna make you think, too. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing. Hinamatsuri, we know how to hit you in the feels. Comedic or otherwise. Oh, boy. Wait until next week, motherfucker. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I'm not ready. Hit him at Surrey, you'll break down like a vase. I like that. <laughs> I like that tagline. That works for comedy and drama. Hinamatsuri, you'll break like a vase. Uh, I think we need to break into our next set of characters. Hey, Funimation, that one's free. Yeah. Unlike that vase. Anyways, let's move on. Yes, yeah, so speaking of family, we're going to move on now to a father-son duo. Which I learned with father and son till today. So we have Sabu, who's a henchman for the Yakuza. And a partial idiot. And we also have his dad, Tanaka. An, uh, an old drunk who apparently taught, he told me how to bartend one day when he was really desperate for a drink. We'll get more on he told me later, but for right now, do either of y'all have predictions? Uh... I do not have for Tanaka, also because I did not know how relevant he was going to be, but I did have predictions for Sabu, because he struck me as kind of younger, 
sounding, but not like teenager sounding, like slightly a little bit older. So I went with uh, two actors, Anthony Bowling and Clifford Chapin. I also had Anthony Bowling for Tanaka. <laughs> kind of like the same lines too. But then I also had to mix up because I thought Tanaka was a homeless person. I forgot he was the drunk with the tie over his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my prediction for both him and Saibu was Kyle Phillips. Because I figured, you know, you want somebody who could be a little excitable when it comes to partying. Maybe a bit soft-spoken when it comes to other situations. Basically, you, know, you figured he'd put himself in the show somewhere, so one of these would be... I hard. figured he'd put himself in the show somewhere. I figured, because one of the characters looks like one of his characters from another show. Uh, Roots, did you have any predictions? Yeah, because um, Sabu was kind of exuberant. I ended up deciding on uh, Justin Cook. And, because um, I really like him in kind of performances as drunkards... Like, I, um, I had Kenny it's, Green as Tanaka. It's funny, because Justin Cook actually shows up in this dub. He does yeah. show up. Yeah. He's the I punk really, rocker. I really like that, too, but they he's, really he's don't the, show up he's the, he's the punk rocker on the street, which, that entire segment is amazing. It is. Uh, what's amazing is who actually plays these characters, Sabu's. Of course, played by ADR director, Kyle Phillips. And Tanaka is voiced by John Bugmeyer. Kyle Phillips, otherwise you see him in Sosuke Sugaya in Assassination Classroom. Uh, Genshiro Sanji in High School DxD. The reason I picked him was because he looks like Denki Kaminari from My Hero Academia. Uh, Isuzu from Space... Isuzu from Space Battleship to Misu. And Shinichi Katori from Suri Dory Children. Mm. Oh god, god, his character is Suri Dory Children... God, that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was. I, I got a friend of mine to binge all of that yesterday, so I got to relive some of those memories. It's like, don't worry, it's just some of the leftover pasta I had as he's bleeding all over the fucking place. Oh, it's such a good show. Go watch it, anyways. Um, yes, John Book. My other roles you've heard him is Tian Shinhan in the Dragon Ball franchise, Free Justine in Fairy Tale. And say she and Shiki. So, Andrew. I didn't even really know he was still doing dubs, if I'm being honest. He, oh, he yeah, shows up every now and then. He's yeah. basically, from what I understand, in charge of Funimation Studio at this point. Uh, is he in charge of the studio? It sounds like he's basically, he's... like, the guy that decides who writes on everything. Right. I'm not. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's like, he's big on the production side, from what I understand. It based very much he he's kind of always there, so it's just like if you need him there, he's just always in his office to which somebody can just sort of like hook him in like a fish, be like, hey get in this booth for a second. Yep, so Andrew, would you like to go first on this matter? Uh man, Tanaka is like the most fun, chill drunk guy I've ever seen. Just I, I like the fact that he's not even angry. He's just like, ah, oh, I'm ready to get drunk again. And he just sees, like, a little kid in a bar. His first instinct is not to be an angry asshole or not to be a creepy asshole. His first thought is, 
You wanna make drinks? Here, I'll show you how to make drinks. <laughs> yeah. And he's just so chill about that. It's like, here's how you do it. And then he's just like, I created a masterpiece. She's so good at this. <laughs> like, he's just crying to his beard. just like, oh, I'm so happy right now. Like, that kind of... He, he strikes me as the kind of guy who would just... Be, he would be upset about the fact that he just can't hug every kitten in the world right now. He's that kind of guy. As for, yeah, John Bergmeier does a really good job being this very chill, friendly, drunk guy. And very enjoyable, fun to hear TN sound drunk. I very much enjoy that. Uh, Kyle Phillips is... He's a much more, like, chill, straight man kind of lackey for uh, Nita. But he's very enjoyable getting a lot of the straight reactionary jokes sometimes being like the especially the one where it's like this is the best tea i've ever drinking you realize that's just really cheap tea right and just the just the being the butt of the joke or the one that always has to pay for nita is like what i don't want to deal with that and i think kyle does a really good job making kind of shriek but not exactly like he he's kind of the butt of a joke of a lot of the time but he takes it pretty in stride pretty well and yeah, I think both uh, John and Kyle do really good. Uh, please continue, as I need to. Uh, I need to drain the lizard. Uh, somebody can't hold their alcohol. So, uh, Lack, why don't you go ahead? Uh, yeah. Uh, again, I mean they're not in the show prominently, so but I I do I did like them a lot, and I, I thought both uh, Kyle and John both filled their characters really well. Uh, I do remember the first time we really see Tanaka and he's just totally plastered. And I did think it was funny, especially walking in on him with, like, his tie around his head. Um, I, I mean, as far as characters go, they're, they're not hugely important, but, uh, I mean, if you're gonna have, like, background characters that need to be memorable, I mean, John Perkmeyer and Kyle Phillips are two really good choices to have. Uh... There's, I mean, I really don't have that much to say with these guys, uh, but uh, I I absolutely enjoyed their performances. I thought they were really good. Um, that's really all I have to say for these two. So, yeah, I kind I kind of paid Kyle Phelps to be somewhat the straight man because I figured you, if he was gonna put himself in here somewhere, of course, be like probably one of the last characters you'd ever see coming and Sabu. Like I said, I thought Kaminari when I saw this guy, cause I was like, oh yeah, most likely he's going to be him. But he does a pretty good job, I mean, he doesn't talk that much, but, you know, he comes off pretty well. John Bergmeier, on the other hand, uh, here's the thing. Uh, for one, I thought Tanaka was one of the homeless men when I started doing my predictions. And for two, when I listened to it, I was like, what the hell is that voice? And I just look and see you. It was Berg John Meyer. Oh, I see you back from the bath. I see it was John Bergmeier. I was like, bullshit. That's not John Bergmeier. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, it is. I never, I never really heard John Bergmeier do this kind of voice before. But then again, I never really listened to like, 
John Bergmeier stuff anyway, so I was pleasantly surprised. But... Yeah, I gotta admit, I had no idea that was John Bergmeier when I heard it. I think this is also yeah. a character we hear exclusively drunk, so pl- so it definitely have not heard John Bergmeier. I might have heard him play a character get drunk once or twice, I just can't recall, but I've never heard a character that he played that is exclusively drunk. Yeah, so it is pretty impressive, and maybe a little bit of black magic. I mean, but then again, like I said, it it, it, it took me a little while getting used to because, like we said, we never heard John Bugmire this drunk before. But he did a pretty solid job. I I got I got commend him for that. It's a pretty solid effort. Like I have nothing else to add. Roots. Yeah. Um. Honestly, there's not really a lot I can say about Sabu because he really doesn't talk all that much. Uh, he, he does get a couple solid jokes in, and Kyle Phillips is really funny. Mm-hmm. But, um, John Bergmeier is probably the the figure that this little grouping is is for, and... <laughs> like, he's, he's got some really good comedic timing as this constantly drunk dude. Yeah. <laughs> and... Like, he's... Like the the kind of character who sees a middle schooler in a bar and asks for a drink. He's not. Uh, he is. Yeah. He is not a figure of high moral standing, but he is somebody <laughs> you want to fucking party with. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Me and and Yakuza. Of course, he's both of them. So. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't see Yakuza and think these people like to party. You see Yakuza and think. These people live a life of luxury, chaos, and probably a couple of, like, severed heads. Like, he's got a tie on his head. You can you can tell he slumps back home and throws on Andrew WK. <laughs> That's a very specific scenario, but I also can see him doing that, too. Yeah, I mean, when it's time to party, we will party hard, so... Party, party, yep. party. I'm gonna have a party. You need to have a party. You better have a party. You gotta party like, hard. I kinda wanna see someone commission a piece of art of this guy with the with the Andrew WK bloody nose. Oh, boy. And the tie on his head. Because I see... That's now how I see this character. Da, 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 da. It's like, hey, dad... Go to sleep. This is your last resort. Dad, please stop. And he probably also has the Gundam album somewhere in his collection. All right. Uh, but yeah, uh, John Bergmeier, you did a really solid job. Uh, right, so and good Kyle to- Phelps as well. You, you did really good too. Yeah, so good to move on then? Yep. Mm-hmm. Alright, so we get to a couple more patrons at this little song bar. Actually, one's a patron, one's a, the other's a bartender. We have Mr. Matsutani, and we have the bartender, Utako. Mr. Matsutani is a Hitomi's homeroom teacher, we'll get to later. He's also a bit of a social drinker. You, you, you first really start to notice him when he's traveling around with the vice principal. Do a bar crawls back to back. Look, let's put it like this. He is a Japanese man in a suit. How do you make it up in the world of whatever position you're in when you're a Japanese man in a suit? Drinking! The only way you go up the ladder is under the table. 
quite literally, the start of the scenario is the fact that he's with the superior officer who's like, I think we should call it a night, and it's like, you seem like you'd be good for your promotion. Actually, you're right, let's go drink more. Yeah, and said promotion is almost jeopardized when he realizes one of his best students is secretly a bartender, but he keeps that job secret. Albeit for personal game. Oh, it's absolutely for personal game. And then there's Utiko, who is Babe. I mean Babe. I mean she runs the bar. Yeah. Also, she she's a babe. Little, she's a babe who runs the little song bar. She, apparently, she's also seen to be part of the community, feeding food to the homeless. And so it's kind of caring underneath that sexy exterior. Of like, hers, like but. I said, I think that's the whole Yakuza thing, where it's like they do work with the community or try to give back. But she is also still Yakuza, and as soon as they reference, let's get the cops, it's like, I'd rather die than work with those pigs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ew. Ew. So, did we have predictions for either of these two? Uh, I had predictions for, not the teacher, but I had predictions for Utica. I had, uh, two, okay, I had two specific voices in mine. And one prediction I thought worked really good as a personal pun. Uh, Morgan Garrett was the first I thought of sultry, sultry uh, bar uh, characters. And I also really like hearing her voice in more comedic roles. And like I said, I thought like su sexy and all that. But also she's, she's really fun when I hear her in comedies too. And I also thought uh, Jamie Markey would have been a right fit for this one and this one i also thought was fun just because of the fact that she is a bartender but i also could have seen the voice working too wouldn't it be funny if the bartender was voiced by caitlin glass ah. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. ah you can't see the stage. You can't see it, but I'm dabbing on you right now. Fuck off. <laughs> Boo! Oh, get off boy. the stage. You suck. Uh, in that case, Roots, you want to go next? Uh, yeah. I actually had predictions for both of them because I didn't know who would end up being prominent. Uh, the homeroom teacher. I had Damon Mills because I wasn't quite sure what kind of character he would end up being. And um, as for Utico, I had Morgan Barry as well. Uh, Morgan Garrett, I'm sorry, with Morgan Barry as a secondary. Hey, that rhymes. Cool. Yeah. As for me, I guess I wasn't as adventurous, because for the home teacher, I had Kyle Phillips. I figured, hey, why not, you know we're involving the boss, you might as well involve Kyle, because I'm pretty sure Kyle would love to drink. And he's also kind of easygoing, too, as well. So, for the bartender, I had Michelle Rojas and Tia Ballard, because I wanted somebody who could match Utako's eccentricity, especially when it comes to having to deal with Anzu and all her theft and stuff. I thought, who could, who could display that anger very well? Michelle Rojas would have been fun. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see that logic. Yeah, plus older woman, you know. But in either case, all three of us were wrong. Just, just be careful when you say anything about them being older. People get very... 
Yeah. No. Not, uh, I got. I'm gonna have to fix that now. You need a stiff wow. drink to t- to take that comment. Speaking of stiff drinks, please tell us who plays these characters. Yes, Matsutani is, believe it or not, voiced by Adam Gibbs, and Utako is voiced by Madri Rodek. Adam Gibbs, of the roles you've heard him is Koshi Sugawa in Haikyuu, Hotaro Oriki in Hyoka, Shinichi Izumi in Parasite the Maxim, and he's also in another dub we'll talk about later. As for Mally Rodak, of the roles you've heard her is, of course, Yukino in Fairy Tale, Russ Weiser in High School DXD, Solution Epsilon in the Overlord franchise, Yukimori Yurisha Iskanda from Star Blazers 2199, and one of Andrew's favorite roles of all time, Black Lizard from Rampo Kita Game of Laplace. <laughs> oh! I forgot she was in that! <laughs> Man! Wow! <laughs> Ooh, that was a trip to listen to! <laughs> That is a fucking weird show, and that is a really... Oh my god, I forgot. I forgot about that character. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Hey, you ready? I am going to avoid any and all piss jokes. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyways. Um... Rambo Kitan's a weird fucking show. You could probably skip it, but it's got a pretty solid dub if you're interested. Um, so, starting off with Matsutani. Adam Gibbs is very much more straight-laced suit, but you could very much tell he is it, He is speaking as a situation that he does not want to be here right now. He does not want to be dealing with this right now, but he's going to pretend uh, this is not happening and I love the very stern, but almost pure, blissful ignorance denial he gives off in his tone, where it's like, oh, this is not my student. This is just somebody who looks like my student. Well, it's fine, I guess. Like, just the pure denial in his tone is fucking great. Uh, Utako is very cool, and of course, very, like, sultry, but she is very casual and laid back, where it's like, this is somebody I would absolutely want as my bartender, because I could just chat with this person probably about anything pretty casually, and she will just kind of be laid back. I, But that said, she also has a very malicious side to her when she wants Hitomi to be a bartender, and you have that whole fantastic sequence of every of those two trying to black out blackmail each other and the fucking shit eating grin and the tone in her voice when she's like i'm an adult i back this up to my computer you (laughs) stupid stupid child i'm like oh you're so good oh mallory i i don't get to hear mallory that much in a lot of comedy stuff so hearing her actually get to do like comedic things like that and the whole i spit at you pigs is so it's so great i really like her, her comedic stuff i want to hear her do more comedy i i really i really think they did, both did a good job okay lack 
Okay, well, in spite of uh, Mr. Matsutani's, like, indifference towards everything, I found myself liking him for some reason, and then I found out Adam Gibbs played him, and I was like, oh, that's why. Okay. So, uh, Adam Gibbs' uh, inherent likability really shines through through Mr. M Matsutani, because he's basically playing a character he doesn't usually play. He usually plays kind of the cool guy to some aspect. Not always, but most of the time. So it was nice to see him play a more unassuming character. And he brought his, his inherent charisma to the role, which I think was great. Uh, I think the episode, like episode four, I guess, or was it episode five where they're, where the boys are in the investigation? Five. It, it was, was five. five. Yeah. Episode five was really funny because <laughs> it, yeah. it focused on him and, uh, and Hitomi in a, in a really interesting way. And it almost felt like we were watching a different show. Like, like, it was, like, we were watching some, like, uh, Detective Conan ripoff or something like that. It was really funny. So, uh, can we talk about the fact that those, that those middle schoolers straight up looked like younger versions of Aaron Yeager and Connie Springer? You know, somebody <laughs> else brought that up, too. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, they actually do. Uh, and for Ot uh, Otako, I don't really know, uh, Melly Rodak's, uh, work much. I've probably heard her in something. Uh, but, uh, I really liked her in the role. I think, uh, Utaku had the right, uh, kind of sound. She, she sounded mature without sounding too mature, and she sounded young enough without sounding too young, and, like, just her, her attitude was very, like, likable, because it can be sometimes hard to get a character like this right, because sometimes you, it, you can get a performance that's trying too hard to sound, like, sexy, and, you know, trying too hard to sound, like, you know, superior, and I never got that vibe off of Otaku. I, I really felt like she she was, like, very likable and very cool, and it never felt forced. So, that's kind of my thoughts. Okay, so, uh, Adam Gibbs is Matsutani. I thought it was kind of a breath of fresh air, because I don't really hear Adam Gibbs a lot. The only two, the only two roles I've ever known him for is, of course, Hyoka, but he also played a rich guy in a Psyche K. Oh yeah, like the very end of Psyche K. I forgot, he was just a yes. rich, rich snob guy. Other than that, I don't really listen to a lot of Sentai stuff he says, so hearing him in this role, it, it was kind of a breath of fresh air. And he played the role very well to his, to his uh, I guess to his strengths, because like you said, like, you already know him as a lot of straight-laced characters. Well, I think it was a pretty good job. It was a pretty serviceable job for what the character called for. Mallory Rodak, on the other hand, the thing about Mallory Rodak is this. She has kind of an air of elegance to her voice. Like, no matter what performance you listen to, it sounds like she's trying to speak like a proper woman and everything. And it really works in this scenario. Especially when she kind of has to be, like, you know, prim and proper in this upscale kind of neighborhood, working as a bartender. To which, <laughs> it's always funny when you hear get caught in these kind of situations, like such with chasing down Anzu for theft, or kicking Nina out of the bar. And uh, to make a comparison, if you take her character from DXD, it's kind of inverted, but she she actually manages to play up the character very well. And can somebody please draw me fan art of her just 
server drinks to roast wise because that would be pretty funny to me for some reason. We need like a whole anime bar club bar bartenders association. Like it's very very interesting to see her react with uh the guy from Death Parade. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be nice. But yeah, I, wait, isn't I, it the woman in black who's the bartender in Death Parade? Uh, it's no, no, the, she's, she's the, the assistant. assistant. Uh, it's like she's the one who actually makes the drinks, and he's just he 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 know. starts out as like she is the assistant. Right. She's more like a guest assistant. He's the one that's more or less the bartender. Right. Right. Oh, his name's yeah. gonna bug me. Hang on, please get to uh, Deckham. Deckham, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, Mario did a pretty great job. I don't really hear her play like angry characters often, but she, she really gave it all in this role. Uh, Roots, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, Adam Gibbs actually plays the, uh, actually plays the idiot pretty well. Yeah. Actually, he knows, doesn't he, that he, he, Hitomi's he, a bartender and he just kind of ignores it? He subconsciously what? knows, but suppresses that as hard as he can. Okay. Like, it's pretty clear he knows, but he is just hardcore repressing. Like, like yeah. that thing at the end of episode 5 is just the best with the, the reaction images. Yeah. It's just like, like this is clearly a this is clearly like an adult person who is bartending me. And they're like, how is someone this stupid a teacher? <laughs> which, if they uh, only knew. Which, by the way, uh, since we're not actually going to be getting to them in this episode, uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, Jennifer, Alex, Whitney Rogers, and Haley Todd, who are the middle school kids. Oh, they're so, so, yeah. so funny. Yeah, they're great. Like, they yeah. were great, and they reacted off of everything in that situation, like, really hilariously. Also, they actually got, like, uh, female actresses to play those characters, because they are actually middle school, which is an interesting choice, but very much works for them. I, I, thought, yeah. it was, I thought it was great. Yeah. But um, Adam Gibbs is great. He, he's funny. He's like, uh, he's, like, a total doof. Like... Against character from what I, I typically know him as. I, I know him as Shinichi and, um... Oh, God, what's his name from Hioka? Hotoro. Hotoro, thank you. And, uh... Mallory Rodex Utico. Like Jamal said, she has a bit of an air of elegance to her. Until she's screaming to get the salt, because she's trying to get <laughs> yeah. Nita out of the bar. And yeah, just him out. Funny. Or just spin over getting the police. Like, I hope she, I hope she spin to a bucket for that scene. No, she, she just spit on the ground. Like, fuck the popo. Yeah, I don't think the engineer spit on the like ground. That, oh, but... uh, sorry. I'll, I'll get him off for that later. Yeah. Can we talk about the fact she's also good at being conniving too? Like, yeah. oh, she's diabolical. Like, especially towards. Uh, I like the dramatic. Me. I like the dramaticness of that. She is diabolical. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> like, this this show is just a buffet of reaction faces, and it's... Uh, like, I, I really... The hard shading is so good for the comedy. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, Mallory Rodak, Adam Gibbs, you did, you did good. Real good. 
Yeah. Thumbs up. Thumbs Is it time up. to Thumb talk about the daughters? Yes, it, it is. It's time to talk about my my children. Yeah, I was, it's time to talk about the doggers. Apparently, oh <laughs> yeah, God sorry about that. God damn it! There's a dog I hear. Ironically, this one right next to me too, but she ain't barking. So good, pupper. All right, mm -hmm. let's talk. Hey, yeah, let's talk uh, about the first three daughters. Hitobi Mishima or Mishima. A.K.A. Uh, the physical embodiment of... What the hell's going on here? I.E. me, anytime I get caught in anybody else's situation. She's a genius level student when it comes to academics. But after getting caught up in Hina's business, which she has no understanding or bothers to have no understanding... She ends up getting blackmailed into becoming a bartender. Almost gets in trouble with the police over TVs. Uh, gets dragged by Anzu after a long shift at work. And ooh, so much other stuff going on we can't talk about. Her whole deal is basically she's super smart and sweet. But she's super, super 100% just a huge pushover that gets dragged into all sorts of weird shit. She is more or less the show's butt monkey. She is she is the straight man in a lot of these scenarios, but she's just trying to survive these living with these wacky characters. Like she gets this because she's dragged along, stalking her dad, and then becomes a bartender. And now she has a night, and then she gets dragged to the gentlemen's club. And now she has a part time job as a bartender, and then just. All this stuff happens, and she's just like, "Well, I guess this is my life now." <laughs> yep. So, do we have a predictions for her? I absolutely have predictions for for her. Where's my tab? Thank you. Okay, I had two in mind for this particular character. I thought Genie Torado was very much the voice I had in mind for my head about what kind of care like person and character would play like she very sweet and kind but also being like what the hell's going on I have no idea would be a really good fit for that and the other person I had in mind similarly was Kristen McGuire I was thinking very much the sweet character she plays in new game but also kind of seeing her be like, what the hell's going on? I can't deal with these kind of people. I thought she also could pull that edge off to her, too. Alright, Woots? Yeah, I was, um, I was watching Black Clover in the middle of trying to get my predictions on paper. Oh, so, this would um, be fun. I ended up with, uh, Jill Harris. Okay. I can see it. Yeah. She plays, yeah, a, she see plays it. a very snarky character in that, so I can see it. Yeah, she can do high pitched very easily. Uh, as for me, speaking of high pitched, I had so we did have to Felicia Arger because I wanted somebody who could really do high pitched very easily. Like, the thing about it was, I couldn't even tell what age the character was because I didn't know what year they were in middle school. But I figured, you know, they could play it up appropriately. And they, they're very good at getting into the scenarios they don't really need to be in. But. In all three cases, we were all wrong. Who's playing Hitobi is actually Tabitha Faray. 
Tabitha Ray, you've heard her in other roles such as Hotaru Shidere from Dagashikashi, Michelle Lobster from Fairy Tale, Kayata Shidawa from Kado the Right Answer, Yayoi Endo from Seraph of the End, and Teru Hayama from Three Leaves Three Colors. So, let's get this out of the way. Andrew, what are your thoughts on her? I have not talked about Tabitha in a while, and I genuinely did not remember, like, what her voice range was. I'm impressed. This is... I... uh, Here's an interesting thing. I actually think the voice of this character in English is higher than the Japanese, believe it or not. Yep. Which I find is kind of interesting... But that being said, I think on the one hand, it's like, in the Japanese, they're kind of going for a much more subdued straight man kind of character. But I think what this adds is that sort of sweet, like, girly girl angle to it. And just their high-pitched, absurdist reactions to these scenarios. But she's also kind of chill and subdued when she needs to be. Um, She has probably some of my favorite lines in this show and i need to figure out which ones i like but i think it like before i get into that just the, the the her voice really does work for comedy and especially for how she reacts to everything it's just every time she opens her mouth it's so goddamn funny and it's just a couple of things i love it's just the sort of like s- sweat dripping down her neck this is the end of my life i guess or just like, as soon as she starts being friends with Ansu, I think I'm gonna regret this. And just... Just... Just the way she's freaking out and, like, losing her poker face. It's just like, oh, golly gee! Boy, howdy! This is, uh, just... just. She is a... She is just, like, a ball of anxiety in this world. But she's also kind of growing more as, like... She can get her way when she wants to. And, oh my god, just her, her voice is so funny. Tabitha's voice is so funny for this character. And this character's already so funny. Every time she opens her mouth, it's a goddamn treat. I, I did not know what to expect with Tabitha going into this. I'm very impressed. Great job. Alright, Lack? Well, my enthusiasm may seem pale compared to uh, Andrew, but uh, I really did like her performance a lot. And I actually heard some deliveries of, like, dialogue that I don't think I've ever heard in an anime before. Just some of the ways that she was reacting to the things around her. Um, but yeah, I, I thought she brought a lot of personality to the role in the way that, um, in the way that, that she, she really... She never felt insincere in like her, in like her kindness or anything like that, and I think that's a really important thing to get across in a character like this. Um, I I just it really was like funny how like her reactions to everything, and she was like, "I just wanted to go home and sleep." Like that that was really funny. Um, a very real he, struggle. Yeah, it, it was. It was what I liked about it was like. It, it, it was how she was actually feeling, but she she wasn't, like, just doing it to be a good person. Well, she wasn't just doing it to look good. She was doing it to be a good person. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's like the say it goes, nice guys finish last, you know? I'm not even sure this is like a nice guys finish last kind of thing. It's just she was taught to be an upstanding citizen, more or less. Yeah. And she is a very, very good girl. It's just she is dealing with the most absurd scenarios like... What do you do when a homeless girl your age is scrounging around for cans? Or what do you do when you are being blackmailed into a job that you can't have at your age? Yeah. Like, what do you do in those scenarios? She she and Nita got the short end of the stick in a lot of this stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm. Definitely. <laughs> um, and I, you know what? I think that's a great counterbalance because you've got, you've got two characters here who react in basically being put in situations they don't really want to be put in in different ways. You've got the really tough Yakuza of Nita, and then you've got the, the innocent schoolgirl of Mishima. And I think that, that creates a, a great, like, story difference. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. Okay, then. Uh, when I started listening to the dub, I had no idea who it was at first because it was so high-pitched. I was like... Damn, wait, is that Brit April? And then I looked at it, I was like, that's Tabitha? Jesus Christ. I, I can't well, I can't remember the last time her voice went high pitched, but we're not talking about that. Uh, I, yeah, actually, I, I would like to know what you're talking about. I, I don't said know. Centaur's Life. Who was she in Centaur's Life? She's the triplets. Oh! Right, 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 right. I forgot about that. Yeah, so because I forgot what age the character was supposed to be, that was a little iffy at first, but then why I started watching it, it really did make sense overall. Like, Tabitha really knew how to play the straight man for these other characters, and she's like, I don't really want to be here right now. I just want to go home. But, you know, she, she, she makes it in a way that, like, you know, I guess will be kind of a label to some people if they were ever caught in that situation, you know, because, like I said, I'm kind of like her, that character in that situation, so I, I understand where Hitomi's coming from, but Hitomi really is very impressive as a character, and Tabitha pulls that off very well. I I really want to see more of this, you know? I feel like her character arc, like, I was watching Anime FMK, uh, recently, her character arc is basically just going to be her finally putting her foot down and saying, fuck you, or fuck no, I ain't dealing with this right now. Because she is just a huge, lovable sweetie pie, but she is such a goddamn pushover. Yeah, I'm not gonna hold my breath. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait till I see that for myself, but I mean, I'm not gonna take your word for it, but I understand where they're coming from. Like most other things in the show, I'll wait to see if that happens. But yeah, the Tamsa is really impressive overall. Like, we would love to see her in more roles like these. I mean, she probably has been in more roles like these. It's just, you don't know, hear her that high pitch this often. I mean, it normally would be great to some people, but she manages to keep it, like, very balanced, you know? Mm -hmm. Alright then, so, Roots, what are your thoughts? Like, honestly, I think Hitomi's story arc could be a show in and of itself. It fucking could be. Yep. I think that will explain the fragments of these story arcs in the show. Yeah. It very yeah, much like, feels like three different shows that somehow all work. Yeah, they they link up. They're 
<coughs> coherent as well together. But yeah, it, it's really nice. Um, I I also really liked having the race performance. It was absolutely hilarious. She she's cute and sweet one minute. And then she's trying to get the upper hand on somebody who's trying to blackmail her the next. Yeah, that's And failing. Well, it's not that she failed, it's just she got tricked at the last minute, but, you know. Basically, you play... See, what I knew that you knew that you knew that I knew that you knew that I knew is I hid swords all over the place. <laughs> the, the only advantage utako had was that she had a better understanding of technology let's put it that way and yeah. also she's a fucking adult who knows how to fuck with people well yeah and, that's um like i want to say episode five is pretty much her standout episode it absolutely is mm -hmm. yeah. like especially at the end where actually god the 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 inner monologue sequence of the boys just uh Oh, but that's forbidden. Oh, oh, I like, like that. I they have, they so have the mental. Hard. Yeah. They, they have the creepy mental image. Like any other show would have probably done like a more extensive thing. It's just the one shot of just the. It, it's so absurdist. It's just like, oh no, that's forbidden. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't stop laughing when I was watching that earlier today. It, it, it's great. It's so good. Uh, yeah, and so I love my precious little uh, pushover daughter. You know what she is? You ever seen Nichijo? Yes. She is the one blonde girl who's is thrown into these weird situations that always just is screaming. Eh? Yeah. She is and that character. And also, her performance for the for the reaction faces is just solid gold. Solid gold. This, this it may in fact be one of my favorite performances of the entire show. Mm. Yeah. All right. What? As long as you said what of. All right. Yeah. Who's who's the next daughter? Ill? <laughs> okay. Next up, we have Anzu. Anzu, uh, so good. I love her. I want yeah. her to be happy. The poor girl. She works so hard and tries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bunch of Anzu's origin is kind of unknown right now. All we do know is she possesses her origin. Her origin doesn't matter. Is that she came from? The it same does not matter. It came so. from. She came from the same place as Hina. She has powers. Um, <laughs> and she starts out on the streets. Things happen, and yeah. then a bunch of homeless men just adopt her into her, her into their village. So can, so, can we talk about the beginning of the episode, too, though, where she just shows up, and then just a conveniently placed coffee can just sets her free, <laughs> and she beat, and she, then she beats down Uncle Marcus and her crew just for a set, set of clothes. Owie, owie, owie. Oh, my God. But, yeah... Before we get into who we think plays that, can we just all agree she is pretty much one of, if not the standout character of this show? She yeah, is, yeah, I would say so. She's such yeah. a sweetheart, and I love her. And she's my precious daughter. She let her eat. anybody that anybody that makes anybody that says any bad thing about Ansu, I will deck you. She's so I love her. She's great. She's all right, all right. Calm down. Let's get into no. 
Understandable. Dude, dude, I didn't get this defensive about Twin Star and friggin' Silver Guardian. Well, that was a different story, Nack. Yeah. Okay, pl okay let, let's go into predictions. Okay. Um, as for... Who did I predict for Anzu? I had uh, two in mind. Felicia Angeal, I thought would have been a really good voice match for this particular character. And I also felt uh, Leah Clark would have been fun since I was thinking of her characters in things like uh, New Game and uh, My Hero Academia. Uh, she's she's not as crazy as Himiko Toga, but I, I was thinking much more like eccentric kind of cutie girl, girly yeah. girl. Yeah, that's understandable. Hey, whoops. Um, I kind of had to go off of her spunk, and for that, I had Jade Sexton. Wow, that, that would have been something. <laughs> uh, for for me, for Anju, I had uh. Mega Shipman because, uh, for the same reasons as you, Roots. Hmm. Okay. I had Addison Victory because I wanted her to play in contrast to who I had for Hina. And by default, it went with April because, of course. Mm-hmm. So, but, who, who does play the precious little cinnamon who can shall and will never do any wrong in her entire life uh play this precious cinnamon roll it's not a precious cinnamon roll named amanda lee oh yeah what have they done before jamal yes amanda lee other works you've heard of is we just recently spoke about as akiho shinomoto and card captain sakura the clear card arc She's the Orphan Gosick, uh, Crush from Overlord 2, L. Adams from Real Rainbow Gate, and Pay Pain from Show by Rock Season 2. Ah, so. Anzu and Amanda Lee. Let's just get this out of the way because it's always going to come up. Uh, Amanda Lee is known on YouTube as Amelie. Because she does a lot of anime song covers and whatnot. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put that out of the way, just saying I am aware of that and taking that to account. That really does not actually matter, like the fact that she can sing with her performance. With the exception of the part where it's like, hey, sing us a song for us homeless people. And it's not a good song. It, it's not even sung <laughs> oh, yeah, good. Yeah. It's That's just, actually really funny. It's just, eat the little. It's just like, it's just, I, she's just so, she's just shouting and embarrassed. And they're all laughing at how bad it is. So the fact that I actually did get Amelie to do that is kind of funny to me. Yeah. Dude. That said, what actually, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with, uh, Amanda Lee's acting about chops quite yet. So this was my first real introduction to seeing what she is absolutely capable of. And what she is capable of quite a bit, actually. Like, she gets the outrageous, like, badass side of her. She gets the dumb comedic reactions. And she also makes me feel so much for her struggle and makes me very emotional. And... This is a very diverse role that, 
like I said, I was kind of nervous because I wasn't sure how versed Amanda is when it comes to doing a lot of these characters, but if Anzu's any indication, she's totally she's totally game for some very good things. I'm this is like there are times where it's like I hear a name, it's like you're very interesting. Let's see what you can do. And uh, Amanda Lee, I, I've heard she's been doing it, things. I've not watched Overlord 2 yet. I hear she plays a very Moe lizard princess, but I'll get to that later. This is a role that really makes me think, anytime I see Amanda Lee now, I really gotta give the benefit of a doubt, because I'm very impressed with what she does with Ansu. And she makes me really, really care for this character. I already did care for this character, but she definitely helps give a lot more life and personality to it. Good job. I really want to see her do more things now. All right, that. Uh, yeah, I was like, I was really surprised to find out it was uh, Amanda Lee because, um, she uh, she gave a really good performance, a really strong performance here. Um, she brought a ton of personality to the role, a lot of a lot of different emotions like sadness and smugness and all that sort of stuff. And she kind of hit it, hit it like right on the head with each and every one of them. Um, yeah, like, and it, it was interesting too because she's cut from the same cloth as as uh, Hina, and we've got Hina who has completely flat affect, and with um, with her we've got like all this personality and all this like anger and sadness and all this sort of stuff uh, uh, together and. I really think Amanda did a great job of just showing that off. Um, yeah, I was gen genuinely surprised. I I kind of figured Anzu was going to be like a monster of the week kind of villain, and then she kind of, and then she's actually pretty integral to the plot. And it was really interesting of the fact that she has to take in Hina. Uh, and I think uh, you re like Amanda did a great job of like really showing how uh, she Anzu just gets fed up with with Hina. And the stuff she and like uh, what Hina is pulling. So yeah, I, I was genuinely surprised about how well the the role was played. So yeah, I mean for me, Aju was really the standout of the show. Uh, so much so, people were hoping the petition to change the name of the show, but that's another story entirely. I'm sorry, hang on, what? No. Yeah, what are we talking about now? Somebody, somebody made a comment that they should change the name of the show just to represent Anzu. So you're saying it should be Anzu Masuri? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, I I see the co Okay, that was just more of a joke. I thought you meant there was like an actual petition. Oh God, no! If there was, I I would the internet. Oh, there there's yeah. there's some dumb fucking predictions, but but like the name like the name was actually like homophobic or something like that, and they needed to change it or something. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, Anzu was really the standout character. Funimation, I don't like your dub. Change everyone. <laughs> yeah, guys, let's not bring this up again, please. Look, it look people do that, and if you do that, don't. You're, who are you kidding? You're fooling yourself. Nothing's going to happen. That being said, exactly. anyways, please continue. Yeah, so like I was saying, Anzu is pretty much the standout character of the show. And Madeline really nailed the performance home. I mean, 
like like we spoke like like I spoke last episode. Like I don't really hear badly the lot of roles, but what she does is kind of impressive. Like in Card Captain Sakura, she was very good, very convincing as a little girl, and in this one, she's kind of being a bit brash, but at the same time a little bit sympathetic. And it's kind of a sliding scale of rages, because I could have sworn, even when I found out it was a medley, I thought it was Brittany Larder. I'm like, well, goddamn. <laughs> but but she really does a good job in this role. And, I mean, I really want to hear more from her. And it's kind of funny you brought up the whole YouTube thing, because I thought that whole scene where she's just singing badly, people laughing, I thought that was a genuine reaction she had last to. I know some people don't like Asaka, but I thought that was a ge genuine reaction she kind of had there for a second. Like, she experienced something like this before. And, like, she really manages to bring her personality to this character. I mean, even so much so, if you if you haven't yet, go see the bloopers that Kyle Phillips put up for this show. Because Amanda Lee has some really great words, but... As for, as for other aspects of it because I know she can also play the dramatic angle very well and we're not going to talk about it but if she can pull off one certain scene coming up she's going to be on my short list for the dubbies this year let's just put it that way Ooh, and, boy. and Andrew knows exactly what I'm talking about mm -hmm. I actually yeah. kind of wanted to watch ahead before this but I just ran out of time I, I Honestly, Roots, I still think you should watch ahead, you know? Oh, I, I am. I just didn't have time to do it before we recorded. Yeah, it, it is very impressive all around. And I really want to hear more from... I'm going to hear more from Madeline in a few weeks, but for right now, it's pretty awesome. Uh, Roots? Yeah, I, I like that she was kind of this little ball of spunk and angry when she's first introduced, and then slowly as she's being integrated into this homeless camp, she gets more and more earnest, and like, you feel like you feel happy for her when she accomplishes things, and yeah, uh, like, I, I have to I have to think it's at least partially in the dub toward uh, Amanda Lee. It, it's really good, really pure, it's just yeah. nice. And yeah, like like you guys were saying with the with the whole song thing, that was like it was actually kind of funny considering she's like a major YouTube cover artist and all that. But yeah. it's it, it still felt like it came from the heart and it's 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 really so, nice. Exactly. Like I, I Sorry, go ahead. There's there's not much else I can add. She did she did a really good job. It brought me to tears at times. One of the other really good performances of the show of pretty solid performances in and of themselves. Yeah, because where some of the other characters do kind of bring comedy, maybe a bit of a family dynamic to the show, she really brings the heart to it. Yeah. That she so, does. Yes, she does. So are we ready to move on? Yes. Sure. Time All to talk right. about the biggest daughter in the show. That's right. <laughs> I'm talking about my big, beautiful Yakuza daughter, Nita. 
Oh god, you gave me flashbacks to something else, but I don't want to break that up. Uh-oh. Yeah. What'd you do, Andrew? I don't know what I did. I'm just saying Nita is precious, too. Just in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> so, Yoshifumi Nita is pretty much the Yakuza hitman who uh, kind of forcefully adopts Hida when she drops out from his roof of his apartment. And as a result, hijinks kind of ensue, so much to the point of life is probably gets damaged, but through all of that, he slowly kind of learns more about what family means to him, you know? He's also kind of a bit of a hard ass too, when it comes to dealing with her. I mean, to the point that she he had to feed her cat back at one point, That's, and kicked her out of the streets. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah, you that live. Was, that he was, he was rightfully movie. mad, but yeah, it, it it was a whole internal conflict of like, do I actually want to care for this person that does nothing for me, or do I actually care? Like, I I love that. Um, like, what's her name's little speech after he says that <clears throat> in, in the bar. Um, who's I'm sorry. Uh, uh Utiko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he where he's just talking about all that and she's just like, "Yeah, she's family. That's the point." And then he's like, "Oh, is that what that is?" Okay. Yeah. But I I want to talk more about him once we get to my actual thoughts on the actor who plays him and as for who I thought would be a good fit for Nita, I thought the following would have been really good picks. I was thinking for a more standard thing, Robert McCollum would have been a really strong fit for Nita in regards to gruff, like, I'm gonna punch somebody kind of voice. But I also thought another fun one that would have been interesting, especially in regards to things I've seen of them do in the past, Josh Greeley would have actually been really fun to do gruff comedic comedy voice since he can do a lot of voices but gruff tough guy comedy i thought would have been really fun to see and hear out of nita you know what's funny i have a list here and you pretty much picked out two of my predictions oh boy hey yeah that saved me time about editing but yeah i had like a long list but of the three i picked those two because I could really see them play the tough guy character very well. And I know their voices can go deep enough when need be. Especially Josh, because, again, Roots, remember Robbins? Remember what? Robbins? Oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, oh, yeah. Right. Hakata Tonkatsu Robbins, yeah. Yeah. But, but for my third prediction, I went a little deeper now that I mentioned that. And I went with Jeremy Edmund. Okay. Okay. Because nah, I, right. I never really seen him in a leading role before, and I figured, you know, he, his voice really does come off as a tough guy plenty of times, so I figured, hey, why not? Plus, I also had him as a director. Okay. Okay. Roots, what did you have? Yeah, I, I had one, and this was mainly because I like when this actor uses the particular tough guy voice. And then it also was meant to pair with who I predicted for Hina, and that is Vic Mignogna. 
All right. I could see. I could see that. I uh, hey, it's your predictions. Whatever. <laughs> Just know we're all wrong once again. <laughs> the, Especially me. The interesting thing about this sh about Kyle is that he very much likes to use make some very interesting casting choices when it comes to yeah. a lot of likes, his shows. I appreciate that. Keeps me yeah. on my toes, if you will. Yeah, he put, loves to put smaller actors in larger roles, and it's, it's about time this guy got a leader role, because who's playing Nita is Jared Green. And if you don't know who Jared Green is, you've heard him in other shows, such as he's Wataru in Cheer Boys, he's on Kubo in Psyche K, he's Mogozo in Grimgar, Sado Level E, Hitoshi in My Hero Academia, Rocket Abaka and Otakide in Saku Token Wadu Hadabaru. And doesn't this mean Steph finally got what she wanted? Jared Green in a leading role? I think I that's Marcus so. Stimic. Oh, oh? Oh, oh. Oh, wait, that's Hardy. Never mind. Okay, let's let us scrap this entire. Okay, okay. Blah, blah, blah. You... Alright, Andrew, would you like to take it away? I would. Jared Green has a very interesting, distinct voice. I was I, he's very much broad, tough guy. Couple cinnamon rolls sometimes, but he's very much tough guy, gruff voice. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. This is amazing. Like he's he is playing mobster. But he is also playing absurdist, goofy, stern dad all at once. So you got the mobster tone and the fact that he's a wacky guy in a wacky world, but he is also this very doofy dad realizing, huh, I think I actually give a shit about this little squirt. The mannerisms he's, he's given, the things he says are so funny and just that he is just so upset and wacky and really interesting i, I love some of the lines he says where it's like oh no don't break those those aren't insured yet <laughs> and oh uh yeah. another line uh i i refuse to be shamed for cooking on a budget <laughs> yeah that's another one where yeah. it's like i feel you dude and then it's just—it's just like as soon as he realizes the the whole thing with Anzu, he's just like, "Why am I surrounded by creepy horror movie kids?" And the, when he realizes he's not getting any ass because everybody thinks he's a dorky dad, and he's just like, "You know what? I'm gonna go out and philander my ass off." Just everything he says is so. Well, let's be honest. This is like the least realistic thing of the show. So he is such a wacky insane character and god jared's tone of voice is fucking perfect i'm gonna be honest with you i'm not sure who my favorite of the show was going to be i think it's jared green i think it's jared green and straight up this is my favorite performance of him period I hear that. And I dropped the mic, but except I'm not going to drop this mic. It was $130 fucking dollars, and it's very nice right now. 
I will give it to Lack. Be respectful of your recording engineers, please. Please, yes, do. please. Yes, please. Uh, I think I'll agree with that. I think Jared Green was actually kind of the standout of the show. Uh, I think his voice fit the character perfectly. Uh, I think he delivered all of his comedic lines absolutely on point. Uh, I think the dialogue they gave him was fantastic. Um, I, I've I've heard Jared Green a few times, but I've never really heard him in a leading role, and I think this was kind of the perfect leading role for him. Um, because it, it played to all of his strengths as a voice actor. And, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty much everything Andrew said I, I agree with. Um, I'm trying to think of anything that stood out for me. I, I, I like the fact that he managed to not, like, sound goofy when he was being goofy. Mm. And I think that that was really interesting. Uh, because it can be hard to figure out the right way to do that. Because sometimes you're like, well, maybe I'm just supposed to break character and just be goofy here. But he was like, but he decided not to go that route. And I think it was a very good route to go. Because I, I feel like part of Nita is that he is a tough guy. It's not just a put-on. He is a really tough guy. He just, uh, you know, he, he's, he's softening up because of what he's going through with Hina. And I think I think that's why it was a good idea for Jared to not, like, go like, oh my god, or anything like that. Like, he stayed in the range that Nita was. Also, can I take a second uh, to just interrupt? I respect the fact that when, ne when Hina first comes into his room... His first reaction is not to scream. His first reaction is, Nope! I'm going to sleep. Bye. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then he goes back and he's like, I guess this is still a thing. Huh. <laughs> yeah. He tries so hard and he's a good dad. Okay, I'm done. Well, I think I'm done too, so I can move it over. Okay, then. So I'm going to preface by saying I'm an idiot. Because during my first draft of predictions, I had Jared Green down for the Yakuza, but that's the wrong character. And it makes sense to put him here because that was really what I was looking for in Nita. A really, really tough guy who can. <laughs> But the thing about Jared Green is also this. I mean, I've only ever really heard him as a tough guy. I've never really heard him do a lot of other ranges of emotions, too. Like, when he's kind of disappointed in either, when he's just pretty much upset. He knows he's about to lose his shit. Both literally and figuratively. Because how many times does he the breaks of his faces? He's like, no, those are not shirt yet. I've never heard Jared emote like that at all, like, and it's really impressive, like, the comedic aspects, the dramatic aspects, it's just impressive, like, I, I, I'm having a hard time finding the words to describe this, it's just, it, it, it's really out there, and it's really impressive, like, can we get more of this, please, like, yeah. You can get more of this by watching Hinamatsuri on Funimation.com and or Verb. Which you yeah. totally should fucking do, by the way, if you haven't already. Anyways. Well, I know we're gonna get I know we're gonna get more Hinamatsuri. I'm talking about more of Judge Green in these types of roles, cause like again, True, true, true. This but is it, so it, it's a it's a tricky mold to find, and the fact that it worked for this kind of point and show is a blessing. So all right. Yes. 
I, I'm pretty much tapped out at this point. Jared Green did a very impressive job. Roots, you have anything else you need to add? Yeah, um, I think uh, Nita is the character that kind of benefits from the script alterations the most. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I, I found his lines were honestly funnier in English than in Japanese. I Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and and I suppose part of that is the script, and the other is just Jared Green's off-the-wall performance. Yeah, very off-the-wall. Like it's, it's wonderful. He can react to just about anything going on with just this sense of... <clears throat> occasionally just, oh yeah, I'll deal with that later, and to just absolutely freaking out. It's It's not things I am used to hearing Jared Green do. And he's really good at it. Like, it, it's... Eh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Good job, Jared. Yeah, I think we all can agree Jared's pretty much outstanding this job. So, we good to move on? Alright. One last daughter. Yes, of course, you can't have uh, Hida Matsuri without the title character herself, Hida. In the same way, you can't have Sushi without the Salmon Row. Mm-hmm. I mean, me. you can, but... Yeah. My curry, but, but... Be your rice. But what is Sushi without the Salmon Row? The Salmon Row's the best part. We could just eat this all day. Woe is me. Anyway, he the she's a deadpan alien girl who popped into Nita's home one day. As a result, she became adopted by him. She's kind of clingy, selfish, has an addiction to salmon roll. At times, has little to no common sense for things. She possesses psychic abilities at the highest level, but will explode like an EMP if she doesn't use her powers at least once a day. And she's pretty much the source of the comedy for the show, because all the hijinks revolve around her and her actions. She is the, a precious little freeloading, deadpan, satanic child. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. And, if, and what I noticed when wa we watched this again today... I found out there was a little East egg involving those sweaters that she wears, but I don't know if they have anything to do with anything, because I couldn't find the damn translator site that worked properly, but that's not the point. The point is, who did we predict would play her? I had three. Uh, Jade Saxton was a safe bet. I figured she's played characters similar like this before, and it totally would have worked. Uh, Jill Harris, I thought, would have been very fun to see her do a deadpan like comedic little girl and this one is totally because i wanted to see this actress do comedy i wanted to see danny chambers do the kind of vocal delivery she does in stuff like ancient magus bride and apply that to comedy okay understand it's understandable roots um, yeah, so I had mentioned before that, um, Hina's prediction basically went side to side with, um, Nato's, uh, or Nito's, I'm sorry. Nita. 
Nita. Um, so I had Vic Mignogna as Nita. And, I mean, it's a little bit of stunt casting, but I like it when people do that with different takes on on two actors working against each other. I had Maxie Whitehead. Oh, okay, that's not what I thought you were going with it. <laughs> but <laughs> you went with Full Metal Alchemist, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. As for me, apparently me and Andrea had one of the same ones in Jill Harris for much of the same reason. Uh, remember I said I predicted Allison for Anzu because of who I predicted for Hina? I said Brittany Karbowski because when I saw it in Japanese, it, it looked like a reference to a certain scientific railgun. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I really need to get around to that. As do I. It's pretty good stuff. As for my last prediction, I had said we did have because said we did have is always good to play little girls, especially with Deadpan too. Also, Allison Soroku. Oh yeah, definitely. Just the inverse of it. But in any case, once again, we're all wrong, gentlemen. Okay. Who is Who's in fact playing this character? Playing the role of Hida is Brida Palencia. And speaking of Blue Hair's Deadpan, she's Ray Ayanami. Uh, she's Ray Ayanami in the Eva Eva Rebuild movies. She's Juvia Laksar in Fairy Tale. She's Sierra the Black Butler franchise, Makoto Suo in School Rumble, Toko Kirishima from Tokyo Ghoul, and because they brought up Railgun, Ruiko Sato from a certain scientific Railgun. So, take it away, Andrew. Thank you, Jamal. I wasn't really sure how Brina would fit in the part of Hina, but I gotta say, she fits really well for the part. I love that even though she is pretty subdued and calm in her delivery, she is simultaneously plays both the parts of being a straight man and the absurd character. Because when she's with, she's Nita, she is this absurd, kooky character that is trying to do these weird things. Sometimes she's selfish and lazy, but she's also kind of trying to do things and be... The one time she tries to be nice, she fails miserably, but my god, is it ever hilarious. You can hear the hilarity in my tone of voice. As for, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. What were we talking about again? Oh, right. We're talking about Hina and Brina Palencia. Brina, Good night, everybody. Br Brina Palencia is a natural fit for this kind of character. I'm used to her playing more high-pitched characters, but I forget that she can also do a pretty good, calm, subdued, and even deadpan role, and I'm pretty impressed. Ah, uh, she's really funny, and I enjoy... Especially, she's not completely emotionless. She actually reacts, like, when she gets her neck almost broken, as well as when she's actually kind of upset. And also just the little mannerisms of her trying to be excited, being like, yay, or spare some change. She, she is... She is a lazy character, but goddammit, she is also my daughter, too. Hina is hilarious and outrageous. She brings a lot of 
the comedy uh, in these absurd situations, but she can also be the straight man, especially when she doesn't really understand anything happening around her. Like the entire Hitomi situation, it's just like, what exactly is going on? I, hey, somebody fill me in. Brina, Brina in general is just, I was not sure what to think, but I forgot. She's really good at this. And yeah, no, Brina Palencia does a really solid job at playing the sometimes selfish, but with a good heart, sometimes lazy Dotaru, Hina. Alright, Nak? Yeah, no, I thought it was great. I mean, it's really hard to play a flat affect character and, and make it compelling. <clears throat> and uh, I think Brina did a great job. It's actually really interesting to see her in a leading role in a Funimation dub again. Because it hasn't been a while since we had that. Yep. I want to say the last one was Snow White with the red hair? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she, she's been doing a lot of California stuff lately. So yeah. Right, right. Um, But yeah, it was really cool to see her... In this role, and I think she played off of uh, Jared Green really well. Um, I, I, <laughs> Andrew says so much that I really can't add much. To I'm it. sorry, it's a no, blessing it, and a curse. It, it's okay, it's okay. I just, um, but yeah, like like I said, it's really hard to make a flat affect character compelling, and the fact that even no matter what emotion she was feeling, she was in the same like emotional range. And it was really funny, like like what Andrew said when she was going, yeah. And it was like, you get it. You get that she, she's not, like, being insincere. You get that's just how she talks. And I think that came across really well. Um, I think even in the sad moments when she's not, when she's not really showing much sadness, you, you still get it. You still get that she's sad, and, and you understand that it's not really her fault that she can't really show emotion. It is her fault that she does some irresponsible things here and there. But um, besides that, it, it really worked. It really worked well. I didn't see the Japanese dub, so I don't know how the actress was like for for the Japanese, but uh, is it is it anything like what Brina did? Or? It's, it's pretty similar, actually, I gotta say. Okay. Well, I mean, that's good. That's a good thing. Sometimes... Sometimes reinterpreting is good, and sometimes following the leader is a good thing. So, there you go. Remember I said I was an idiot for not picking Jared Green for Dita? I'm a fucking idiot for not picking Breeder, because Breeder to me is like the queen of deadpan. Like, I've seen her do a lot of deadpan roles, believe it or not. Like, for God's sake, she's Ray Ayanami in the Rebuild movies. That's blue-haired and deadpan. Fair enough. I just I hadn't heard her do that in a while, especially since I've been catching up with One Piece lately. Yeah, same. Black took the words right out of my mouth. I forgot about her because again, she was doing a lot of California stuff. So yeah, it's kind of hard to pinpoint actors when they end up leaving to go to a, another market. Like you don't know if they're gonna. Sometimes come they're back. over here. Sometimes they're over there. Sometimes they're all around, all over the place. You can't keep track of them. You gotta put a tag on them or something. Exactly. So when I heard it was, when I, from the moment I first heard it, I was like, "Wait, that's Brita." I was like, "Hallelujah, she's come back to us. She does. She's very. She does very good in this world. I. She was the last person I'd expect Kyle to pick because I thought it was gonna be like maybe some smaller actor or like I don't know. Like I guess it was really tough to cast either because you have to be deadpan without being robotic. But Brita manages to pull off the aspect very well. 
I'm almost, I'm also looking forward to the comedy we'll see in the future from her because I've seen some impressive stuff. I will say though, one of my favorite scenes she had to reenact was uh, when they played the major look game in episode two. Yeah, <laughs> because Kyle showed a video of what was going on behind the mic where she just had to make all those noises and stuff. And <laughs> You can tell she's having a fun time playing that character. Oh, I forgot. Uh, forgot the line. Like when when she's basically make making things, saying things out of Nita's mouth. It's like, are you scared, punk? I'm ready to take you on anytime. I'm gonna throw the floor with you. I'll end you. I'll end yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, the deadpan aspect of it, the delivery was just. The delivery is so so strong. Yeah, it's like, it's a picture, like, when you get that moment just right, it's that sweet spot, you know? Like, I'm, ha I'm really having a hard time finding the right words for this, because that's how impressive this stuff is, and I think I'll pass it on. Uh, yeah, so, um, I'm not quite... I'm used to, uh, Brina Palencia playing the deadpan character. I'm used to Brina Palencia playing, you know, <clears throat> comedic characters. I'm not used to them both being at the same time. Fair enough, yeah. It was kind of a big adjustment for me. Um, it, it took a couple mi It took a couple episodes for it to kind of, kind of chocolate and peanut butter together. But, um, it was, uh, I want to say it was when she's cleaning the house in episode three that it finally started to come together. And, um, I, I really like, um, I, I actually turned around and rewatched the first couple episodes and I, it gave me a, a new appreciation for for her comedic timing and all that. For those to be, you know, together. I liked it. <clears throat> it took me a little while to get used to it, but I liked it. Good job, Brina. Yes, uh, Brina is very impressive in this world. I think pretty much that leads us into final thoughts now. I'm still trying to find the right words for this, but Andrew, go ahead. Well, here's all the words you really need at the end of the day. Watch this show. Yes, Watch please. this show. These are yeah. these are basically like some genuine Looney Tune-esque scenarios, characters, <laughs> and personalities. But it's those comedic timing so, so, so well. Like, even for like uh, something from Japan, it's like even that, like, you can tell the timing works and like is very in tune with like our own senses but it also has a lot of genuine heart and like fam family ties that makes it also sweet and earnest and also just drop dead funny i love every single one of these characters they are precious and i love every time they interact together and these children are my precious daughters and this dub is really really good I'm I I can watch the show all day, but I'm glad I can rewatch it again in English and have an even better time, probably even more so. God bless it. 
please watch Hinamatsuri. Please watch Hinamatsuri. I know there's that other popular thing you should be watching. Please watch Hinamatsuri. Luck. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's a very unique show, and it's got a lot of heart behind it. And I feel like if it's not watched this season, it's going to fall to the wayside. And people are just going to forget about it. And it's going to be a lost, uh, you know, a lost gem. And I really don't want to see that happen because there's a lot of great performances here in the dub. And I just, even though it's kind of an anime that doesn't really fit anywhere, that also gives it a uniqueness that I don't think we're going to find in a lot of anime. And I, I just, I really think that that you should watch it. And the dub is really, really good. It's really strong. I mean, if you want to watch it in Japanese, that's fine. People have their preferences, whatever. But the dub absolutely ex excels the uh, the anime in a way. And yeah, that's that's what I have to say. Yes, I guess. Yeah, this is fucking awesome. Like... Because here's the thing about this. The, it goes from the writing in both the Japanese and the English to how the story is framed to the character's development. This, that is a hard balance that is not easily achieved in anime. Like, you'll have anime that have many of those aspects, but it doesn't really quite come together. Or you'll have other anime that will try too hard for those aspects. But, yeah, Hidematsui achieves that balance very well. And the funny thing about this was, I think this was the last show that was licensed by Funimation, like at the last minute for a sample dub. I'm so glad they did. Yeah, no pun intended, they literally saved the best for last. Like, don't get me wrong, there were a couple other good sh uh, shows that are good too, but I don't, this is what I I'm don't not really... sure objectively it is the best, but personally it is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, because I know dub-wise... I don't have any faults. I'm trying, but I don't have any real, any real faults with this dub. It's like perfect, so perfect. And I'm really glad Lilac like, picked me to host this show because I, because the other show I bought is good too. But like I said, I can't find any fault with this dub. It's just perfect. Like, I mean, to the point, I'm keeping up in both sub and dub. And hey, I'm not picky, but of course I would go for the dub. It's still great either track you pick. Does not matter which. It's still going to be great. Doesn't matter which language, just watch it. Exactly. And I know there's certain aspects of the story that are missing, but personally, I may or may... I don't really kind of care. I mean, it is what it is. Do you, you know? need it? Do you need it? If it comes up, cool. If not, who cares? I love these children. Exactly. And it's funny, because that's how I ended up watching the show, because I was like, I see a clip... I see a trailer Crunchyroll posted for it, and I see there was martial arts and a lot of action involved. That's like, okay, that's my jam, because not a lot of people know. I love, it's like, I love action, so I started watching it, and then you see that it's something completely different. I was like, hey, this is fucking awesome, but you know, it's your preference, just watch the damn show. Woods? Yeah, I, um,. Like, I'm gonna be honest, if I were, like, if I were one of the people at Funimation in charge of picking what shows they were gonna dub, sight unseen with maybe, like, the first episode, I might have looked this over. What? Like, with what, with what 
with what we were given as the sh before the show was coming out, this may have been something that would... I mean, I probably wouldn't say... Thank God you don't work for Funimation, then. Jeez. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm really glad they did. Because the comedic timing is great. I think I think I get what you're trying to say, is that yeah. from first impression, this is something you could skip over and think, oh, that's no big deal, who cares? That's what you're trying to say. Right. And it hits you hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy, it does. Like, it's really funny, and then all of a sudden, it hits you with, uh, with really heartfelt characters and scenarios, and it, it's just... It's really good. And more or less, I I joined on to this episode to make sure it got made. Because, <clears throat> um... Yeah, I, I, I signed on to this episode just to make sure that there would be enough people on it. Because, um, I want to say it was like... Roots, we don't need the inner workings of our process. Yeah. I just... Let's just hear your thoughts. Yeah, it, it, it's a good solid dub. I, I recommend it. It really... It's a show you don't expect to hit you as hard as it does. Oh, man. Yeah, but that's the best kind of show there is. Absolutely. The freaking... Some of the jokes in this are just so fucking funny. Like, I crying laughing sometimes. But it also makes me cry. Genuinely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the frame of the show for you, as well as the timing. But Like we said, no matter what track you watch, just, just please go watch, watch it. it. And if you are interested in watching it, the episode is currently available on the Funimation Now service, which is up to five at the time of recording. First two episodes are available for free, but the rest is behind the subscriber paywall. Which, if you're interested in subscribing, they have a 14-day free trial that you can use to watch your content. But fair warning, if you don't like the service and you don't want to continue afterwards, just cancel it. Otherwise, they'll stop pulling money from your account since a credit card is required. As for the sub itself, it can be found on Crunchyroll as part of the Partnership. You can watch with or without a subscription, just know without a subscription there will be ads. The latest episode will be a week behind the paywall. The sub is also on Verve. Sub what? and dub are both on Verve. Really? Yeah, I couldn't find it on Verve. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's on Verve. Where if okay. you opt for the combo pack for ten dollars a month, you get access to Funimation. Completely worth it. Crunchyroll, Katu Hangover, etc., etc. Just drama, be fe drama fever for your Korea boobs. Korea, Korea boobs <laughs> is not a phrase I expected to hear. Korea boobs. <laughs> Had a bit of a Freudian slip there. Okay, I think you're trying to say Korea booze, but you said Korea yeah. boobs, which I'm sure <laughs> th those are quite firm and lovely, but I'm not sure this is the time or the place for your personal I'm a, I'm attractions. I'm a little tired. It's, it's, it's hot in this room. I had a Freudian slip, but uh, Korea okay. booze is what I was trying to say. Look, Korea, yeah. bo Korea boobs are also pretty hot. Let's be real here. <laughs> I think both y'all need to lay off the booze, but... Be anyway, be warned though, as there are no titles, subtitles for certain dubs, so stuff like Ping Pong or Drifters, it's kind of mostly unwatchable without them. Corrections but, can shall and will be made on our time. Okay, good to know. 
As for any of us, if you're interested in seeing the stuff we get up to, go ahead and plug yourself, gentlemen. Hi, my name is Andrew, aka Classy Spartan, aka at MangaMan9000 on Twitter. You can see me as a moderator over at the Funimation Discord and forum, and the other thing I do is podcast ONA for Surreal Resolution, which is where me and fellow co-host Jess talk about anime news and the like. I'm done. Alright, well, you can find me uh, at uh, Lack the Watcher on Twitter. Usually I can li- you'll find links to anything and everything that I do there. Uh, I'm also currently known as Supernatural Transfer Student Lack from the uh, Junji Ito episode. Uh, but yeah, I'm getting back into anime reviews. At some point I do a look back with Lack, which is where I look at old anime. Uh, usually from like 60s to 90s kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, and I'm also a voice actor. I'm trying to get back into that. I've had a little pr- trouble with my voice recently because of allergies, but I'm, I seem to be doing okay now, so I'm going to try to get back into voice acting. And yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Okay, Roots? Alright, you can find me on the Twitter.com at Roots of Justice. Um, I uh, mainly just retweet cute animal pics, occasionally talk about anime and other nerdy stuff. It's a good time. You should show up. And, um... I finally have an idea of what I want to do for for my blog. I don't. I know the what, I just don't know the how yet, so stay tuned for updates on that. And as for me, I'm the sister editor for this channel. I can be found by other channel, Jamstar One, where my highest rated video is a family feud blooper. I can also be found on Twitter... Yeah, go look it up, Black. <laughs> okay. I, I can also be found on Twitter at Jamstar529. I have a blog that's just collected dust. As uh, for the podcast itself, be found here on, the, on YouTube under the name Dub Talk Podcast. We can also be found on Tumblr, Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch by the same name. So, is there any final words before we sign off? You know what? There's only one place for us to go, friends. You know what that is? What? Gentlemen's Club! Gentlemen's Club! Gentlemen's Club! Gentlemen's Club! Gentlemen's Club! Good night. So, for all of us here at Dub Talk, we wish you a good night. And the Otaku on. Gentlemen's Club! Yeah! Woo! Keep it, gentlemen. Keep it gentlemen. Shot, 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 shot. shot. <laughs>